Okay. Hey, uh, this is the start of our monthly Patreon meetings. And we have a... Basically, these are just uh, any random questions that might come in and individually helping patrons that might need it, uh, either in their home games or their professional games. And today we have JW, who has a few questions. JW, if you'd like to start, what do you got for me? Sure. Um, I guess let's, let's start off with, um, I want to ask you, Friday, about audience building. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to get not only on, like, say, the Start Playing platform, getting eyes and uh, there, but maybe also on your social media, like Twitter or um, places like that. Is that an okay topic? Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, what platforms are you thinking about right now besides SPG? Um, I'm I mostly am on Twitter and Reddit. Those are kind of the two main like social medias. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, can you link me to both uh, for you? Yeah, sure. You bet. Let's go ahead and DM, DM it to me. You got it. Give me just one sec. And some general stuff that I will say about um, Twitter and Reddit, those are both A-plus social media outlets, I think, for audience building for a number of reasons. Um, Twitter is more geared towards short copywriting style, um, and that's generally what you're going to find to be the most useful. Uh, method of approaching that whereas reddit is the opposite where you are actively creating high value posts that you hope other people will get a lot out of and then they subscribe essentially to your profile and then they start following you and then they start wanting to follow your content so a good example for modeling your reddit content would be to check out r slash curse of strahd are you familiar with that reddit Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I've seen it a few times. Mm-hmm. So there are a few different creators in that niche that are pretty much the breakout uh, members of that community, and they have built entire platforms on it. So Mandy Mod and then also Dragnacarta are the two people that you're going to want to look into. And you can kind of look at their transition to other platforms like patreon for instance or some of the other content that they make um which to varying degrees you can consider uh what their success level is for that but it's definitely a start um i think it's difficult on a platform like reddit to monetize it uh so you definitely don't want to do that you're putting your best stuff out there so that people want to pay you for more premium services elsewhere right so for dragnicarta for instance and uh someone i am very familiar with because of uh my consumption of their content um they went a few different routes with what they were doing um they built an entire campaign guide with additional content that eventually became a searchable slash widely used and distributed um piece of content that they basically put up there for free, right? It's probably one of the most in-depth for free uh, uses of Reddit that I've seen in the D&D community. And um, I'm not sure if they're like satisfied with the amount of money that they make given their Patreon or whatever, which I haven't checked their numbers lately. 
Um, so I'm not sure, and I don't know if they just do this completely as a hobby or what. But if you were following like the Dragna Carta method um, as sort of a model, I would say that Reddit is very good for funneling people to where you want them to go. I would also check out the YouTuber named Lunch Break Heroes. And that is a person who has consistently posted things within Reddit and then gained a lot of traction with their content in the same vein of Curse of Strahd. So a lot of their videos are basically guides that they offer on Patreon for $1. So you can subscribe to their Patreon for $1, and then you will get essentially the video guide just in a PDF form. And they have since launched Kickstarters and all of this other content. But because the entry level is so low to support that person via video on YouTube, um, and they have their call to action being these Patreon um, plugs, essentially, in their videos, and they are providing something that has a high amount of value, that is where they are really capitalizing on their audience to monetize it. So let's say that you are, for instance, building content that people want to use um, or like NPCs or whatever D&D type content that you're doing. Um, if you make it easily accessible, then people are just going to return to it because you become an expert. You do want to, in any place that you're building a brand, be viewed as an expert. And it's really easy to do that, to be honest, as long as you're good at it. <laughs> If you're not good at it, then people won't view you as an expert. And it's really that simple. So the popularity of your thing that you create over and over is really going to determine whether or not you've built up that um, expertise. So there are a few different things in play here. We have um, being a subject matter expert on whatever it might be. And that just takes time. You posting content and people like coming to know your brand and know you and then trust in the stuff that you're putting out and whether or not it is good content or not. Um, and then you work people down in the funnel. So say, for instance, if you take a look at my content, right, my Twitter stuff is really out there for everybody. My YouTube series is really out there for everybody. The times that I interact with the community in SPG, that's out there for everybody so that the barrier to entry to be surface level, um, introduced to me is very low. For the most part, the things that I put out there to be free, it is my best stuff, but it's not tailored to individuals um, a lot of the time. And people will go out of their way to have content tailored to them or specifics. I know Moonlight Maps does this as well, in which they have built their community up really uh, to a very large scale. And their model is adventures, maps, and they run it through their Patreon. And of course, they're an artist, so they can do that. And they interact with their community quite frequently. And uh, I had this good experience with them as well, where I just suggested a map and they made it. Um, and then they put that on their you know, regular offering. So it's, it's a matter of slow and steady, like creating content and then putting it out there. And that's it. Like, if you are actually a writer or a game designer, you just need to put more content out there, and then eventually people will either like it or, or they won't like it. <laughs> like, that's it. it's as simple as that. You need to remove barriers for people to find your content because there is so much out there in order to build that credibility and build an audience. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. Uh, thanks so much. Um, 
And uh, so it sounds like um, in in terms of diversifying that content is uh, is is diversifying like your your space a good way to to build an audience? Like just trying to to like I I mentioned two things: Twitter and Reddit. Is it worthwhile to try Instagram or um, or is it is it better to kind of laser focus on one place and try and build up there um, or try to wait for, I don't know, the next TikTok platform to like try and jump in on, on that thing. Any, any ideas on that? Yeah. Um, always better to laser focus. You're a human being. Um, you're not a robot. So if you are creating content in one place, you're going to get really good at creating content in that one place. And then that is where you're going to your content is going to live. I that that's why I don't post YouTube videos too often, and I, why I haven't in a couple of months because I'm more focused on Twitter. Like right now, I'm focused on building up my audience to pay attention to the book that we're releasing next year on Kickstarter, The Vineyard, and that's like really my main focus. How do I reach the widest possible audience? It's not by posting videos to YouTube. YouTube would take me two or three years in order to build. That's just content that I put out there to be helpful to the community once in a while when I find some extra time to do it. Um, and then stuff like my podcast on my Patreon, that's open to public. If people want to throw extra money at me, then they can come here and ask me questions directly. You know what I mean? So um, I think that laser focusing on one and learning it is very important. I think for Twitter and me, I already had copywriting experience. I have a lot of writing background. So if you're a writer, I think Twitter is probably the best platform besides Reddit. Um, and then also like the reach and like everything else is much greater than Reddit in some ways. Um, ultimately, it depends on whether or not you want to monetize or whether or not you just want to build for fun or something like that. Um, I would pick a platform that you have fun on and that you enjoy rather than something that you think is going to be quote unquote good. That's not going to do you any favors, especially in the long run. Because if you like I don't like TikTok. So I'm not going to build on TikTok because like, I don't have fun making content there. So why would I torture myself to some like algorithm that I don't want to have to worry about? So instead, what I did was I just built up and I uh, really learned Twitter and laser focused on that uh, in order to get good at that. It took me about three months to get good. And then I had a viral thread. And then from there, it's just been momentum since. So I would say that put in the work consistently two or three times a week, learning a platform, how to produce content on that platform, follow people within the niche of the content that you want to create, and then um, model some of your content after them, see what works for you. Your first three or four months on a platform, you're really just exploring and figuring out what works and what's not good. Um, and then, yeah, the main thing being produce good content, but like, you have two things you're doing. You're getting better at making content, and then you're getting better at adjusting your content to fit on this platform because different styles and different approaches for different platforms are going to work. Yeah, awesome. For for folks that are um, that are sort of getting started with like SPG, um, do you feel like that SPG alone? is enough for like if people are just on spg and like their discord do you think that's enough to like get players in seats and to be kind of monetizing um your your time uh as a professional dungeon master or game master uh 
or do you feel like it's it's really necessary for for folks to have that presence on a or at least try to be building a presence on some kind of social media platform um if you're trying to make your primary income and switch over to full-time gming on spg you do not need a social media platform to make it work um spg has done a fantastic job in doing the advertising for you so it's completely unnecessary the only reason that i am building up a social platform and things like that is because i am moving into publishing and like opening up a game studio eventually so I'm building like an entire entertainment brand and everything like that. And like being a freelancer in other areas makes it kind of important that I have a presence in that way to make those network connections. Um, for just running games though? No, absolutely not. Um, SPG mastering the uh, thumbnail and title game is going to be number one for you. And then everything else is secondary, because if you master the thumbnail and title game on getting your advertisements and getting those people to be interested in your game for the right reasons, then you're going to move to a full-time income. My social media presence was not a determining factor of my growth until uh, Gen Con, like two months ago, three months ago, when I started to get a lot of attention because of Twitter. Um, and I'm talking 300,000 impressions for my threads. Um, and before that, it was not, it was not, uh, something that, uh, made a dip, big difference for me. And just to put that in perspective, like a 300,000 impression Twitter thread is like something that does well for someone that has like 40,000 followers. So like, we're talking like, I massively overperform on Twitter for my size. So an average person um, who is good on Twitter um, is not going to see that kind of growth or impact on their social media until they're much larger. I know plenty of pro GMs who have like a much bigger platform than me that do not get any sort of leads or sales um, through their Twitter because the their brand isn't built around pro GMing. Mine is. So mine is laser focused on that audience. And I built around the fact that I am a professional GM. I run all of these games all the time. I know what I'm doing and I provide a good experience to people. Whereas most people who've built their Twitter are kind of like in a few different areas and they're better at attracting a different kind of audience. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's great. Cool. Um, well, man, capitalizing on all this time here, this is great. Uh, uh, Friday, what uh, I guess... I want to ask you I, in the for, for folks who are um, familiar with SPG and have done like the onboarding and st stuff, they they kind of cover this. I wanted to to bounce it off you again if that's okay. Um, and that's talking about like the on start playing games the content that sells during the onboarding. They kind of like they mentioned like just run run the stuff that you want like run, like if you want to play homebrew campaigns, that's just your own stuff, your own world, do it. You don't have to run, you know, curse of Strahd, uh, if you don't want to, you don't have to run dragon heist. If you don't want to, um, run stuff that, that you want to run because you're going to have fun doing it. And ultimately that's, I, I, and I agree with that. Um, for, if you're someone who like, so for me personally, I kind of, I, I like to be open to running anything. Um, and in a, in a way, uh, like I would have fun running like any kind of D and D content, whether it was homebrew or um, like published module adventures by Wizards of the Coast or other 
um, third-party content creators. Have you seen any like particular success running um, one or the other, like homebrew stuff versus like um, published material? Um, for me, I built a majority of my platform initially, at least through SPG, and like built my audience, I should say, and my paying players through um, modules that people knew. So I tried out a few different modules uh, when I was sort of growing. And I tried out Lost Mine of Fandelver, Icewind Dale, and Curse of Strahd. And the big hits were Curse of Strahd. That was it. So what I ended up doing, and this is a, a part of what I, when I say that you use momentum when you scale. Um, so when you fill up a table, you open up another of that game. So say you get six players in your Strahd game, that means that you need to open up another Strahd game. Because people want to play Strahd with you. So if you want to do that, I, I should say. If you don't really like Strahd, then obviously don't open up six Strahd games like I have. But um, I have since like diversified because I realized like, you, know, you, you definitely don't want to only be running one campaign because then you're limiting yourself for those people that want to play with you more than one time a week. But um, when I was initially getting started, um, I only had like one or two, like I put all the Strahd games on one day. Until I went from one Strahd game on Saturday to three Strahd games on Saturday, and I just opened them up one table at a time. Um, and then from there, I've kind of branched out to Strahd all over the week. But for the most part, because campaigns have that name brand recognition, you're always going to have an easier time getting your profile going, especially if you're new. If you are building up uh, brand new on SPG, I would say you need to leverage that Watsy marketing power as much as possible. Because when people see Curse of Strahd, Ricewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, they already know whether or not they want to play that campaign because they've heard something about it. And in marketing, we have this concept uh, like the eight impressions before someone makes a decision to buy. So someone's going to see Coca-Cola eight times before they decide to buy a Coke um, in their lifetime. So that same thing needs to be cognizant of you, you need to be cognizant of that sort of effect on people. So why fight uphill with a brand new concept if people don't know who you are? People don't know who you are as a brand new DM. They don't know your branding. So it's more difficult to convince someone to play something with you unless you are relating some content that they fully understand. And we go back to um, like the thumbnail and title mixed together you are trying to create a feeling and an understanding of what the game is. There is no quicker way to do that than to provide them with the tagline Curse of Strahd because they know a lot of things about Curse of Strahd already, probably. Or they've heard that it's a great campaign. So you've already impressed upon that person all of these different thought bubbles about what they're going to experience. And then later on, maybe you narrow that down and you get more specific about what exactly is going to be in that campaign. But you start out with really just, what is it? And then you say that in one sentence and with the thumbnail combined with that. So if you are trying to run homebrew campaigns, I will tell you that I wish you the best of luck, but it's probably not going to be easy for you. Just like it's not easy to run a non-D&D system when you're starting out. Because most of the audience is in D&D, right? So you just have less customers. So until you have built up an audience, um, I think it's more important that 
especially if you need the money, like you you're doing this like you're seriously trying to uh, make some money and like build up your brand and everything. I think it's more important that you just get more experience in building up an audience. And then from that audience, eventually you're going to find players that are more interested in different stuff or they like you so much that they will play whatever you run. And then you just start the campaign with those players who automatically want to play what you what you run. Like for my alien table, I opened up an alien game on Sunday and I have just three people waiting to play. And I am twice the price of every other alien table on SPG. So what that says to me is that these players love to play with me and they know what the experience is going to be like because they've played with me previously or they have heard X, Y, and Z about me through my branding and or my overall just presence, right? So you can't really do that when you're starting out for obvious reasons because people are paying for what they know is like a guarantee or what they feel is like what they're going to actually get. Um, so for something like a more niche experience, homebrew, anything like that, it's just harder to get that sale for that reason. It's harder to convey what it is. Right. Yeah. I was curious about that. If you had players that were maybe came in on like your Curse of Stride campaign and then later transitioned over to your, um, more, uh, I don't know if you run any homebrew campaigns, but, or just more like alien is less well known than 5e. Right. Yeah, um, I would say at least in the tabletop list, people are interested in Alien. Overall, worldwide, Alien, of course, is like a huge IP. But um, for, uh, yeah, tabletop, for sure, not as not as popular. Um, I'm experimenting with like some other different stuff, homebrew in Exandria. But with something like Critical Role World, like Exandria... I am bypassing a lot of the hurdles that I would have to do to run a a homebrew campaign because I've already attached, like, this is Exandria. It's high quality. Like, everybody knows that about that world, right? And there are a bunch of people interested in playing in a critical role world. There's a built-in audience for that. So if you want to start out and you want to do homebrew stuff, I would recommend that you just attach it to a very popular IP that already has a built-in audience who are willing to pay money to play it. That's cool. Do you feel like um, it's it's worthwhile to be really upfront about that? Like, for example, um, for my Curse of Strahd uh, listing, um, like the the headline is is um, like Ravenloft colon Domain of the First Vampire, um, and then later it says Curse of Strahd. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the idea that um, I'm kind of open to, it's not necessarily like a verbatim. We're going to play through Curse of Strahd. Uh, page by page but they're rather we're gonna just like play in barovia um right do you think people show up like <laughs> I, I it's I, like obviously they're not i hope they're not showing up like i've read curse of Strahd and i'm ready to play it hopefully that's not the case but um mm-hmm. that kind of being open that it's like this is kind of my barovia uh that we're gonna play in because i want to tailor this experience to you and your, your players your characters um and your, your tastes I don't want to just like run you through a script. Right. Um, So I would say if you are doing something like you have to like kind of make a judgment call on whether or not something is going to be popular enough for you to utilize it when it's a proper noun. Ravenloft is probably one of the few words that you can use like that. That is not a an adventure path module or whatever you want to call it title. The only reason why 
like someone would ever use the word nether deep is because it is associated with the critical role campaign just like the only reason someone would use the word fandelver you would never use that word in a title uh, otherwise you would call it like i don't know adventure to save the dwarf <laughs> like save gundren uh save save your dwarf friend whatever um discover adventure discover the um what what was uh what was the the forge of um fuck it's oh yeah uh forge spell, you know what I'm talking about. forge of spells or something yeah, yeah yeah forge of spells anyway uh whatever it's called but you would have that because that's like plain language like here's what we're doing here's the goal here's how i evoke these images in your head because words have meaning right so if i throw a word at a customer and they're not familiar with what ravenloft is that word is meaningless and it's wasted space and then that player that that creates ambiguity. If someone has ambiguity when they're looking at your title or your copy in any way, then they're not going to be interested because it means nothing to them. Therefore, your copy should be written at like a ninth or 10th grade level um, so that you are creating this feeling that they understand what they're getting right away. So instead of Ravenloft, I would actually recommend that you just do... Um, something along the lines of like horror campaign because if you do that you're clearly conveying what it is just like you wouldn't use anything like it would be difficult to justify using anything other than barovia as a proper noun in my opinion because barovia is pretty ubiquitous everybody knows what that is if they play dnt if they don't play D&D or they're new to D&D, they have no idea what Barovia is and you've just wasted that word. And now they have no context for what it is that's happening, especially if your thumbnail isn't already conveying what it is. So I would avoid as much as possible stuff that is meaningless to the layperson. And the layperson meaning um, the brand new beginner. A majority of your clients for pro GMing are going to be beginners. So that's who you should be writing your... Um, copy to especially as a new gm once you have been in the game and you have a built-in audience maybe you can start catering to a more hardcore audience who like knows more stuff but like that's not gonna get you anything when you're starting out because it's such a niche part of the market um that you want to when you start capture as many players as possible so you can filter them down to the players who are going to be loyal to your brand and most interested in playing with you Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Um, yeah, that's great. Sorry, now I'm like in my head, like thinking about all my all my my headlines and, and like thinking of mm -hmm. uh, ambiguous words to make sure I can uh, I can get rid of. That's great. Yeah, I'm looking at your um, titles right now. They look pretty. They look pretty decent. They look good. Do you have seed fillers? It looks like you do. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, that's a that's a that's a good question here. Um, do you have do you ever have seat fillers who are people that don't actually show up? Ooh. Like, uh, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, don't keep them around. Um, I I just filter people uh, for seat filling positions that. I'm interested in playing with. Generally, it's people that I have some rapport with already and I want to play with. 
so I know that they are going to be like a fun person to play with. Whereas uh, if you're just like rolling the dice on whoever, then you get what you get kind of deal. So, Right, right. Yeah, I've, I've been trying to to hook that like one other GM that can just like we can trade off places and, and come right. one to one. That's uh, uh, something that, yeah. Yeah, the dream, right? The dream, uh, yeah. And uh, cool. That was, uh, yeah, I was curious about. And uh, and kind of, again, this is coming from a place of, of ignorance that I, I'm just kind of new. It, it's not necessarily that the person didn't show up. Uh, it was, I, I was genuinely curious if it's just like, what about just having that number that says like, there are people in this game. Oh. Even if they, if you're like, um, if you're just a seat filler, so it's a session zero, you don't have to come. And I'll just say like, Oh, maybe they're late or they didn't come. I would avoid as much as possible being, um, dishonest. So for obvious reasons, but like, yeah, sometimes stuff does happen and like your seat filler can't make it or whatever. But like, if you find out about that, you just need to get a new seat filler because the players are expecting that someone else is showing up. And as much as possible, just like you wouldn't want to mislead people with your ad copy. You don't want to mislead people with seat fillers. So if you're utilizing C fillers for sure, they are there to enhance the experience of your paying players. They're there to be helpful to your newbies. They're there to role play and be fun and stuff like that. So um, yeah, for sure, you want to get a solid seat filler if you can, and if it doesn't work out, get a replacement. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good to know. Thank you. Sorry for the dead air. Do you do you edit your podcasts? Uh, Not this one. This is going right here. This is going right in there. <laughs> this yeah. is it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I just downloaded it and I uploaded right away. Um, I don't make enough money on Patreon to spend a ton of time editing it. Um, when I do make enough money on Patreon, I will start editing my podcast. But right now, the cost to labor is not there. So yeah, they, people get the little bit of dead air, and that's fine with me. Did you have any more questions? Because if not, we can wrap. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if you're like, I'm going to be here for two hours. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's, I think those were the two kind of main points mm -hmm. uh, or the, the, the two things I wanted to talk about was like kind of building an audience, whether it was, it was if it was necessary to have like this presence on social media uh, to find success on, on um, SPG, uh, which yeah, seems like that's not the case you can you can do well without it that's great mm -hmm. um and then talking about what kind of con like five especially 5e uh content sells the best and like we talked about of course like curse of strad super popular um you can try and run your own homebrew stuff and that's great do it other gms if you're listening just like do whatever you think is fun but also um you'll find a lot of success if you just do the the stuff that people know that's yeah those are the yeah. two things i wanted to talk about yeah, especially if you're just starting out, that's probably the number one takeaway that I have with people is like, if you are trying to build your audience and it's a real big struggle to force yourself to do something that Watsi puts out, then you might consider like doing something that Paizo puts out. You might consider doing something that, I don't know, uh, that is equally as popular, maybe uh, something that uh, Darrington Press has put out, something that Critical Role has put out. That already has a built-in audience. Otherwise, it's like it's going to be very frustrating 
um, starting out because it, it is what it is. Majority of the audience is owned by Watsi. What are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. So cool. Hey, thanks so much, Friday. I, I really appreciated yeah. the one-on-one advice. On. I hope uh, we. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Do you do this every week, or is this uh, is this? Yeah, once I'll a do month it. Thing? I'll do it randomly. I also do a different podcast with like industry pros, but um, yeah, I'll do this uh, maybe twice a month, maybe. So if you have other questions, you want to show up again, um, and then we have other people that are showing up for these, then we'll keep doing it. But this is something that I wanted to offer because I, I get DMS all the time about like questions and stuff. And I'd rather just do it in a way that I can put it out for everybody else to enjoy as well. Yeah. Awesome. Kind of start creating that catalog of, of advice in a, in a, listenable format cool i'm excited yeah, to check sure. out the uh the other podcast too is that, that's on your patreon yeah the um the dollars and dragons uh podcast is free so you don't need to be a patron to listen everybody listening to this will be a patron though <laughs> all right okay. well all right, you're awesome thank you so much have all a right. good uh rest of your evening or afternoon it's, i don't know what it's time afternoon it is i'm in pacific but yeah take care all, all right. right thanks Friday. bye